0: Hello and welcome to Sales as Mental, a podcast promoting meaningful perspectives on mental health from people in the sales profession. James Buckley is a force of nature. His infectious energy and positive attitude is well known in the sales space. Many salespeople will be most familiar with his work as chief evangelist at JB Sales. But in this episode of Sales is Mental, James shared a very personal insight into his diagnosis of type 2 diabetes and how it has forced him to reevaluate his approach to his life and his work. We talked about the role shame plays in your life, how physical fitness has helped James mentally, and lots more. I hope you enjoy this episode. James, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it might get a little confusing. We're both called James, but I think we'll figure it out. Um, But yeah, we had a great conversation in the lead up to, to recording this episode, where we talked about a huge range of things. Even in the five minutes before this, I've already got like three actionable items on my to-do list now to make myself better. Um, But I would love to start by kind of jumping into maybe a little bit about kind of your background. I'm sure a lot of people in the sales world are familiar with who you are and who you work for, um, but would love to understand maybe a little bit about how you kind of got into sales before we jump into some of the other topics.
1: Yeah. So I cut my teeth in door-to-door B2B and door-to-door residential sales. I was a door knocker for a very Mm -hmm. long time. I also sold Kirby vacuum cleaners. There's a lot Ah. of people that share these types of experiences. And that's kind of where I got good at sales. That's where I learned that I like doing this. And Mm -hmm. it was a fun time. I was riding around with people in vans, knocking on doors in neighborhoods. Uh, And then I eventually worked my way up to having like my own truck and having my own territory and door-to-dooring over there. And that's where the power of brand kind of hit me. Um, I was a kitchen worker for 15 years. I was a full-time cook. And it wasn't until I went back to college, I moved away from Miami, I moved back to college, I got a degree. And then I didn't know what to do with my degree. And on Facebook, Alan Brady, who used to be a web designer for Serious Insight, uh, Alan Brady posted that Cirrus Insight was hiring salespeople. And I had all this experience door to door. So I was like, I, I know sales, or at least I, I know something about sales. I'm interested. Sure. Let's, let's connect. I had one interview. Uh, at a barbecue joint here in Tennessee. This was a software company in East Tennessee. I'll say it again. It was a software company in East Tennessee. (laughs) That sounds crazy. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I had, so I had this great interview with Zach Metters, who would later become my business development manager. Um, and this man would enable me to get on planes with him and fly around the world a couple of times, going to sales events and meeting all these professionals uh, and I'd started to build my own brand and that's where it took off. And that's what caught the eye of John Barrows and the rest of the team at sell better by JB sales. And that's where I landed. And this is my forever home. I have the great pleasure of helping salespeople sell better. And that's, that's all I ever want to do. I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> I, just, I will do this forever. He will have to fire me and I that's will off. make it uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I
0: love that. That's awesome. Until the wheels fall off. I re- yeah. That's uh Just an awesome story. And I think, as you say, like, especially, I think everyone should be in some kind of customer service industry. Like I worked as a waiter. That was my first job. And I think I learned so much about people and how to interact with them and how to navigate. Like, it's kind of like objection handling, right? It is. It is.
1: I I tell the thing about waiters and waitresses, servers, is that they go and approach strangers all day, every day. That's their mm -hmm. job. So they don't have any uncomfortable feelings about calling strangers because yeah. they've been spent the last few years walking up to tables full of strangers and saying, hi, my name's James and I'll be your server today. Can I start you off with a cocktail? What can I get you for an appetizer? Right. For like sure. there's just no fear in that for them.
0: Definitely. No, I think it's it's such a great way to learn. Um, and yeah, I appreciate you kind of bringing up to speed of like how you got to where you are now. Um, also fascinating that East Tennessee was clearly a tech hub before the Bay Area was. So <laughs> maybe people are going to go back there. But if you
1: did not know,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a thriving even, even tech Even Chattanooga, scene.
1: even even my area, in my area, Chattanooga was giving like uh, software companies bonuses to come and open satellite offices there. It was. Like such a crazy, like all these Silicon Valley companies opening little satellite offices in East Tennessee.
0: (laughs) There we go. I love it. That's awesome. Well, I know recently something that you've got incredibly passionate about and you've shared very openly and very candidly on your social media is around kind of your exercise journey. And we touched a little bit on, on how it impacted your mental health and consequently your work life. But I'd love to just kind of dive a little bit deeper on, on kind of what prompted that, that that decision yeah. to, to double down on it and and how that's impacted your life yeah. um, since um, you made that choice.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing it up because I don't think enough people understand the importance of it. I certainly didn't. Uh, hmm. So the short story is that a year ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and it scared the crap out of me. My sugar was like a 467. And Mm. if you know anything about diabetes, a person without diabetes has a sugar between 90 and 120 all the time, no matter what. 467 Mm. is like diabetic coma stuff, like go to the hospital immediately. So I freaked out, kind of freaked out. Um, I quickly chose a doctor and started going to the doctor regularly for the first time in like a decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I changed my eating habits and I started to do pushups and crunches mostly in my home. For like mm-hmm. three or four months, I did this. Uh, Chris Merrill, my CRO, um, and a few other folks that I work with, we were all doing like, hey, how, how many, Mike K, like we were doing like, how many sit-ups can you do in a day? How many crunches can you do in a day? Yeah. And then it became like, yo, share your workout routine. And we were like, yo, 100 crunches, 200 <laughs> sit-ups. Like we were, we were like throwing bananas numbers out there. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I got to take that. Like, how am I going to take this to the next level and really like change my lifestyle? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to lose weight. I wanted my pancreas to work again. Yeah. Like you see the difference, right? Most people go on a diet because they're, they feel like they're not healthy and they're obese or whatever. Like I'm fine. you like, I'm perfectly comfortable who I am. It didn't bother me, but I need yeah. my pancreas. Apparently I only get one of those. Yeah, so, that is true. Like, this has to change because I can't die at 55. And I just kept saying that to myself over and over. So I walked into National Fitness Center, which is like a really big chain of uh, fitness centers that people work out at. You can buy like annual subscriptions and go in there anytime. And Mm -hmm. I said, I want the best trainer you have twice a week. And I want a one-year membership and I'll pay up front. We negotiated on the price a little bit. We landed on something that worked. I immediately went all in and paid up front. Mm -hmm. Because I invested up front, I want to get my money's worth. That was where my mind was. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I paid up front, so I'm going to get my money's worth. That's one piece of motivation. I don't have to worry about now. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Then I was like, okay, I need people to motivate me. I need people to understand. What's the best move? Well, I happen to have a network of about 40,000 people. So I was like, let's go ahead and make this public yeah. and see what happens. And to my no surprise at all, everyone rallied behind me, right? Like, Oh my God, James, this is amazing. Like, and here's what I, here was an unintended consequence that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I was fine working out. I was fine putting myself through the torture of like, how hard can I push myself? I was yeah. fine seeing the results. Obviously I'm happy with like the way things are going. Right. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect was my productivity at work and my energy level to go up and to the right. Mm-hmm. That I'm already a high energy person. Like I live my life this way. This person that's talking to you now really fast, looking up and down and managing all the shit that's happening on all my screens. Like, this is who I am all the time. Yeah. All the time. And I'm now that person times three times four, because this physical fitness mentality has impacted that dude. I am sore all the time. I hurt Mm. every day, but my energy is unbelievable so it's more content coming out now it's more cold calls it's more emails it's more cadences written it's more sessions with teams like it's more q a's all these things are it's, it's more bouncing into slack in and out of slack channels I can do it better now, more focused because I've added this element that I've neglected for so long in my life. That's the short story.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's incredibly inspiring and I really appreciate, yeah, just your openness in, in in that diagnosis of being type two and knowing like, right, to your point, I only have this one pancreas and I need to figure this out. And yeah, I'm feeding curi-
1: the crap out of it for way too long.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's it. And I'm curious Um, from my side, I know that when I'm struggling mentally, my, my desire to exercises drops dramatically. Like I feel that sense of if I'm struggling with my depression or anxiety, I get in my head and, and the thought of doing the thing, and this applies to a lot of things, but especially with things like exercise, it's like, oh boy, I've just, and really all it is for me is like, I just, I have to like put on my gear and get outside. And once I'm there, like I start to initially, I'm like, oh, I hate this. And then you kind of get into it. But I'm curious for you in those early stages and maybe now, like, how do you deal on deal with on the days where you're like, you know what, I really don't fancy the gym today. That's not what I want to be doing because they come, right?
1: They do, and uh, when they come, I lean into them and I accept my body telling me the thing that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're not feeling it, don't do it because you got to be invested. But mm. also spend that time getting into the mind frame of it means I have to do it tomorrow. It means I've mm-hmm. got to get back to it. If you mm-hmm. don't. If you don't give your body the time and you don't give your mind the time to adjust, you're going to struggle to be consistent and consistency, just like anything else, consistency in professional development, consistency Mm -hmm. in personal growth, consistency in health and wellness and fitness consistency in diet consistency is a staple in success. No matter how it's defined, consistency Mm -hmm. has a role to play. So when your body says, dude, Take the time. If you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Listen to your body and take that day. Don't go that day. Maybe you do something else. Maybe you go for a walk on your lunch break after you eat. Maybe mm. you do a little bit of swimming or something that's like, you know, I guess what my trainer would refer to as active rest Mm. you know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, kayaking is a good one. I do kayaking a lot, right. If mm. I'm going to not go to the gym, I try to get in the water and do some kayaking, you know, cause yeah. it's easy. It's, it's, it's light, it's cardio and conditioning mm. more than anything else. Uh, and that part of that part of your brain, when you kick that part of your brain in, it makes everything else that much better mm. because when you take that break, you can come back fresh and that's with anything. If you're having a hard time writing a successful sales email, step away from email for a while and try to reach out on social, come back to email later. Mm. You'll find that you come back refreshed and it's a little bit different. And maybe you change your language and your response rates go up, but don't, don't think, don't think I have to force myself. If you force anything, you're going to resent it. Definitely resentment. Resentment will always build. And then you abandon things.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I think it's, it's recognizing early on as you're setting out those intentions, when those lulls come for me, the biggest piece of it is accepting it of being like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And to your point, okay, maybe it's not a gym day. Maybe it's a walk day. Maybe it's a kayak day for you. So I really like that distinction.
1: There's a self-awareness that has to exist in you to be able to do these things. That's the really important factoid Is that you have to be self aware enough. If you're Mm. not self aware, that's a skill you should develop. And I'll be honest, it's something that you have to work towards. No one can coach you on how to be self aware. Yeah, that's something we decide to change about ourselves.
0: Definitely. And I'm curious in this process and this kind of journey you've gone through, you mentioned that your energy levels kind of go up and to the right. I love that expression because it's what every salesperson is aspiring to on any graph up and to the right is awesome. Like that's where you want to be like down and to the right. Not so good. <laughs> So I'm curious from your point of view, um, outside of obviously the the energy levels rising, which often I think people think, wow, if I work out loads, I'm going to feel more tired. But actually, to your point, your brain gets more clarity, the all of those endorphins. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm, I wonder with the kind of self-awareness piece, have you noticed any kind of developments there or any growth that you've had? even in maybe making this decision and realizing like, right, I was living my life in this very specific way, which maybe wasn't treating my body, my pancreas, as well as I'd like to. And, and now yeah. do you feel like you've, you've felt those gains from a self-awareness point of view?
1: I have, I've caught myself eating too quickly, for example, right. Mm-hmm. I catch myself in behaviors. now I've even become a little more self-aware about my own behaviors. Um, I catch my, like the other day. So, so quick quick tangent. We were, mm. were going to Chicago this coming weekend because we're going to take our son to uh, Wrigley Field to see a Cubs game.
0: Ah, awesome. when,
1: when we were talking about what we were going to do in Chicago, I mentioned like five things. And then I took a step back with my wife and I was like, hey, you know, all of those things are restaurants. And it occurred to me, I've traveled this world around the globe like two or three times now. Mm. And almost all of my travels have elements of restaurants, Mm -hmm. foods. Mm. And it's because I've attached travel and pleasure and things that make me happy with food. Mm. So I've developed an unhealthy addiction to eating. Mm. I can have an addiction to eating. Let's be real clear. Mm -hmm. What I'm eating, what I'm eating makes a difference.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's not
1: to say that's not to say that I'm, bought in hundred percent. I'm not going vegan. Right. Like none of that stuff is real for me personally. I thought that doesn't fit for me, but I I've changed what I decide to eat more often. I can still have pizza. I just don't have to have an entire pizza. I can still eat. a. I can still eat cheeseburgers. I don't need to eat six of them. Right. Like, so those types of behavioral moments. And then there's the, you know, the, the speed at which you inhale food, um, you know, as a guy that's always pressed for time. I feel like I've got to eat it as fast as possible. If I don't, I'm going to miss something. I got to get back to my desk. I got to get, you know, I got to, I got to get back to the thing we were working on. Let me just eat this real quick. Yeah. Stop. Take a moment, slow down. Right. So you change your behavior, put your silverware down for a minute. The other people at the table,
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Don't, don't just inhale your food. So these types of behavioral changes come with this sense, this heightened sense of self-awareness that we develop over time when we have things like discipline in our lives.
0: Definitely. I love that. And I think it's that, that reframing how you view yourself. And as someone like I've struggled with addiction on a range of different things, definitely to food, Um, In the past, alcohol for me was a problem. And so I cut that out of my life. And so, yeah, I really want to appreciate that kind of candor around it. But it makes sense, right? That if there's something that you find comfort in, you're going to gravitate towards that thing that has comfort. And obviously, we can't remove food from our lives. But what we can do is just strike that balance of like, okay, to your point, maybe it's a slice not the whole pizza. And yeah, I really appreciate right. you sharing and that. It's
1: it's once a week, not four times a week, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. And that's it. It's like, you can have all of those things. They'll always be there, but just striking that balance. Yeah. So, you know, that it impacts. And I think you even spoke to me a little bit about like how altering your diet also helps your kind of mental acuity. Is that right?
1: It is. I, I kind of feel like I have a little more clarity. So I've been mm. eating mostly plants. That's been my, that's how I describe it to people. I'm yeah. not on a diet, right? I am. Yeah. Trying to change my lifestyle. That is Mm. what I'm trying to do. And because I've changed my lifestyle, what comes along with that is changing your diet. So I've developed a mostly plants diet. (laughs) Mm. If it grows, I can eat it. And if I like it, I'm going to keep eating it. And the only like real, like heavy proteins that I'm having are I have two eggs in the morning Mm -hmm. and then uh, I have to be careful with the eggs. I I went heavy on the eggs when I first started dieting and my cholesterol went through the roof. So my doctor was like, Children, hey. you don't need to eat four <laughs> eggs. Like just have one, just have two. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to have five. Like it's cool. You know, but I thought, Oh, eggs are good for me. Cause I'm yeah, working out. I need that, Right. Yeah. Your brain doesn't, your nutri- the, the nutritional knowledge doesn't come till later, you mm-hmm. know? And when, and when the need arises, cause you're like, Oh shit, I'm feeling lightheaded. And my mm-hmm. trainer's like, Oh, you should eat more avocados. You don't have enough fat in your system. Yeah. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. I need to eat different shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, you've got to have <laughs> so that. You learn that stuff. You learn that stuff over time. But what I find is that I am able to balance a lot of thoughts much easier now. It's a lot Mm -hmm. less stressful. My anxiety levels are lower. Uh, I'm not sweating as much, which is weird. Uh, because as a big guy, I don't know if anybody knows this. If you're listening to this out there and you're a big guy, you feel my pain. You don't really need a reason to sweat. It just just kind of <laughs> happens, right? It's just rando. I'm sweating, you know. <laughs> so so now, like that, I've changed my mind. Like you are what you eat has never been more true in mm. somebody's life as it is in mine right now. My yeah. sugar has not been below or above 120 since I changed my diet to this, and that's been you know five months, six months now. Yeah. So. I'm going to keep on this because one, I feel like I'm getting the rhythm. I feel like I've caught the stream. I've hit my stride and I'm consistent enough with it that I'm excited about it now when I wake up and go to the gym. And then the other one is that I'm starting to see a change in me. I'm starting to feel different. I'm throwing, I'm donating clothing that's falling off of me, right? Like lots of these things are happening and those are good signs that I'm headed towards those goals that I set so long ago
0: definitely yeah that's awesome and yeah I think to your point it's it's all of it's so much of it is about balance and recognizing that your body really is keeping a score whether it's what's going on in your mind or what's going on in your body what you're putting in it like what fuel you're giving it etc yeah. um, the the yeah. one other thing that I want to touch on um, with a few minutes left is is just the the impact of shame because I think shame is such a powerful factor and often will use at least for me anyway I've used shame to like motivate me and i don't think it's healthy like it can work but it also like if you're in that mindset it only gets worse and worse and i wonder whether you can speak to like maybe when you've struggled with that sense of shame and now maybe how you're able to cope with it better with more self-awareness with better clarity and more energy so
1: i first of all i think shame affects us differently as we grow Mm. Um shame at, at for a teenager looks very different than shame for a 20-year-old. Yeah. Shame for a person in their 20s looks very different than shame for somebody in their 40s that has a couple of kids. Mm. You pop out a couple of kids, and I assure you that you have no shame. There is yeah. no more shame when you had like you're not afraid, you don't care what people think. Yeah. Kids changes everything. Yeah. Right. But as we move forward in our lives, we learn to process shame in different ways. Mm -hmm. Shame, I think, can be very, what's the word, diluting of the truth. Mm. Shame shame has a tendency to creep in from external factors. As we grow, shame becomes something we feel from within, not from an external factor. Great Mm -hmm. example is I've been talking a lot about my fitness journey on social media. Mm. and when I talk about it, I get a lot of personal trainers that reach out to me and they want to sell me on their their services. Mm -hmm. First of all, right out of the gate, please look at my content and know that I have a personal trainer. Thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, right. If you look at that, you will see that that's an unneeded message to send me. Uh The way they approach you is often based on shame, and it's Mm -hmm. shame that they want you to feel so that you'll be motivated to make this change with them. The -hmm. problem they have is that they're basing what they think the goal is on their shame. They're, they're taking their vision, their version of health and wellness, and they're attaching it to other people that have a very different version. Great example. This is the number one question I get from trainers that are reaching out to me, trying to sell me, what's your goals? Mm. And every time they think I'm going to throw out a number and I don't, I say, I need my pancreas to work again. Can you help me out? Mm. It turns out many trainers are not nutritionists. Mm. So they, they don't know anything about somebody with type two diabetes. They know mm. nothing about that. It's a medical disorder. It's a syndrome. It's an illness. It's a disease that yeah. we develop. And because it's medical, they bow out very quickly. And mm. that's because they think, and this is their words. This is very common for trainers. I'm, I should be miserable and I should be sad and I should be ashamed because I don't look like you. Yeah. And this is false. Mm -hmm. This is not only is this not helpful, but you're building a business on shaming other individuals because they are somehow viewed as less than you because you're a healthier individual, more health conscious. You know, here's something I know you can look at all those overweight and obese people, all that language that people like to use. Mm -hmm. And we can compare bank accounts with those struggling personal trainers Mm -hmm. anytime you like. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find that those people that are overweight and obese are often much more successful financially, Mm family-wise. They're obese because they spend time doing other things. And you're single and struggling because Mm -hmm. you're a dick that tells other people that they're unhappy because Mm -hmm. they don't look like you. And you believe that you're going to build a business on this. You got no, you got nobody around you. You got, you got, you're struggling. You know, you're reaching out to people like me saying, can you help me sell? Yeah. Quit shaming people into giving you money. That's my help for you. Personal trainers out there. Hear me stop shaming people. It's not helping your case. Sorry, I get passionate about it. No,
0: absolutely. I really appreciate it. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's a, it's a great broader message that you can apply to anything in sales is that if you're going out and reaching out to people, regardless of what your business is or whatever your SaaS company does, and you're telling them, yeah. hey, what you're doing sucks, but if you work with us, it won't <laughs> suck. It's like, well, already no one wants to be told that they suck or they don't look right. And I think especially to your point in the fitness world and when it comes to our bodies, like we live in a world where everyone looks different. And the sooner that we get away from a sense of there is an ideal body, there's just your ideal body. It's not like your body is your body and everyone else's is everyone else's. And it doesn't matter and it shouldn't. But sadly, we just exist in a world where there's so much value attached to it.
1: Well, I want to, I want to, I don't want people to think that I'm just, you know, bashing the sales train, the the personal trainers that came my way. So let me give you some alternatives. Let me give you some alternatives that actually created some really good relationships with personal trainers. Send me nutritional information. That's Mm. important to me. Send me workout routines and exercises that I can do. That's important to me, but don't shame me. That's not Mm. helping you. And it's not helping me to trust you. You yeah. think I'm going to trust you with my well-being and you're making me feel bad? Dude, mm-hmm. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: And I think that's it, right? Is that already everyone struggles with shame. It's not something that like everyone deals with it. It can improve, it can be managed, but it's always like, we're always going to have those moments of self-doubt where maybe that little voice is like, hey, you should have done this or you should have done that. I call it shooting myself. But um, but yeah, I think that's such a powerful message. And to your point, it's a case about like, Trying to find like solutions and different things that are going to help people and come from that place. Like, hey, I want to empower you. I want to support you. Like, even the language you use around it to me feels incredibly important. Versus, like, hey, do you want to lose this? As that, it's like, "Mm, you want a six pack? No, I don't. I need my pancreas to work. You understand? (laughs) Yeah, it's a big difference, (laughs) definitely. Um, well, I'm cognizant of time. I know how busy you are, James. But yeah, I, I so appreciate this conversation. I've learned so much. One about you and your kind of your journey with these choices that you've made. It's incredible to see. I'm sure it'll be incredibly inspiring. Keep up the great work. It gets me amped up to be like, I need to get out there and get the meat suit moving, as I call it. Um, so yeah, that, I really appreciate that. I've also learned a lot that East Tennessee is it was a tech hub before the Bay was. So maybe I need to. That's where original. everyone should be migrating to. Although maybe you don't want that because that'll just mean that property prices soar and then you'll have people like me in your neighborhood so we got
1: amazon and smith and wesson opening up here now
0: wow there's some big companies moving that way well yeah i i massively appreciate you taking the time really enjoyed our conversation um i'm sure everyone knows where to find you and i'll drop some links in the show description so so they can if they don't know um anything about you and and the work you do at at sell
1: amazing thank you so much